Hello and welcome to Sitcom Geeks. I'm James Carey. And I'm Dave Cohen. And this is episode 160 of the Sitcom Geeks podcast. Uh, and uh, we've got quite a lot uh, to look forward to. Um, Dave has got some news about his uh, competition. I'm going to talk a bit about a web- webinar I did. Dave's going to talk about his new website and overcoming technophobia. And then we're going to talk about how Tuesdays are funny and maybe revisit some sitcoms that we, we, we have got new appreciation for. So that's what's coming up. And let's start off by, Dave, why don't you just tell us about this competition you've been doing and what you can reveal and what you've learned? Yes, well, uh, we had, um, I, I, just before Christmas, really, uh, I said lying slightly, it was it was <laughs> November, and I have been very remiss, very slow. But I, uh, asked, I, I ran a series of uh, emails about um, how to write a scene, and uh, I just thought it'd be a nice little idea because we weren't doing our, our competition like we did last year. Um, I thought it would be a good idea to uh, have a little competition. So I got people to write a scene. Um, and the, 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 so it was a maximum of 500 words. But the, the important thing, the crucial thing, uh, as, as you'll see when I talk about it, was that I wanted to know what happened before that scene and then what was going to happen afterwards so i have now read all um 54 uh, entries and um the uh, i've got a short list and i'll tell you the short list now i've got a short list of three uh, the first one is called redress by ralph jones and then the second one is called gains by joel frosh and joel brooks and the third one is called Coconut Republic by Rebecca Bain. So there you go. Those are the that's the three uh, entries that are on the shortlist, and we shall probably announce uh, the winner. Uh, not not in the immediate future, but I mean we'll we'll probably announce it, and maybe we'll talk to the winner as well on on our uh, yeah. not the next one, but but in a future episode of, of uh, Sitcom Geeks. Yeah. Just to say, if you want to know um, how to write a scene, we talk about this in greater length in episodes 151 and 152. Uh, so um, there's lots of stuff about how to, you know, what a scene actually is. And I think quite often we we read scenes in scripts, especially from newcomers, but we write them ourselves where it's just two people talking or something happening. And that, that doth not make a scene. Um, so what have you been learning about... Uh, the scenes that you've read, you've read fifty. Uh, yeah. What what was the you know, what was the standard? Awful. They were all awful. <laughs> you're not, not going to say that. But what what mistakes are people making? Well, I think uh, uh, and what you said there was was already quite an interesting point. And uh, I did I say I did this kind of run of about two or three weeks of uh, uh, emails saying what what is there, what what makes a scene, what makes a scene work. And, you know, as with everything that we do when we're writing sitcom, there's, there's, there's always about sort of 10 things that you have to do. You have to get them right. Um, and so generally what was happening was, you know, the standard was, was pretty high, really. Uh, lots of nice jokes and lots of interesting characters and stories. Generally what would happen is that uh, an entry would get maybe three or four things right, but there were enough things that weren't right that, uh, um, and and it depended all the time. So, for instance, I might get uh, a setup um, to a scene, um, the introduction to a scene, and then the scene would be completely 
different to what the setup was about. So it's kind of it, it sort of missed one of the main points of, of running the competition, uh, which is to show that you're you have the sort of grasp of storytelling, mm. um, and then the outro would be or the outro would be completely irrelevant to everything that had gone before that as well um other times i would get an 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 interesting setup and then the scene would be the interesting setup so it was basically repeating what had been said so it was saying what's i I asked for what happened before and i'd get kind of what happened now these these sort of seem like minor things but um you know if you kind of extrapolate that and you put it into a whole it's like if you um i have to walk if i had to walk from uh my house in uh, north london to james's house in somerset um and i and i took a sort of very slight uh i, I was kind of going slightly ang- at a one degree angle in the wrong direction from my house. Yeah, so you'd end up in Cardiff. Yeah, it doesn't sort of seem at this point uh, in London, it doesn't seem far away, but but by the time I get there, I'm 200 miles away. So that's that's the kind of um, problem that I was sort of coming up with. And, uh, yeah, and, and generally either not much was happening in a scene, or sometimes loads was happening. You know, people took it literally... Because I kept saying, you know, you need to have a thing happening in your scene. It needs to escalate. You need to resolve it at the end of the scene and at least either end the scene or set up a cliffhanger for the next one. Mm. Um, and some people would, you know, I'd, I'd get almost a whole sitcom in a in a five hundred words uh, scene. So it's really finding the the, the what what the three that I chose um, all had about three or four of things very very well done very strongly done really and that's um that's that's why they got chosen a lot of the ones that didn't get chosen they had some great stuff in there Mm. as well yeah yeah no i mean it's it feels like there are so many ways to go wrong basically isn't it i mean in a way right when when you see a scene that's been well written it just seems so obvious uh just uh, We'll talk about it a bit more in a minute, but I just watched the first scene of Only Fools and Horses. Right. And uh, it was really, really interesting, partly to establish how the characters are set up. And it it really does an awful lot of work. And it really does feel like it's going somewhere, even though there is quite a lot of exposition in it. And in a way, you just think, well, of course, you know, that, that all seems easy. But you just think that's probably the ninth version of that. And it started in completely different ways in different places. Yeah. Um, so it is a question often of getting that lump of marble and starting to chip away, chip away, chip away. And it, it does take a long time, doesn't it? And I think, again, it, sometimes you just get fixed on the idea of what the scene is going to be. And sometimes it just takes on a bit of a life of its own. But then again, if you have no plan for what the scene is going to be, it doesn't really stand much chance of being a satisfactory scene anyway. So yeah. It's an art, not a science. Yeah. I mean, just, just to give uh, uh, examples from that shortlist, one of them is just really about what... It's a very simple idea. It's a very simple premise, and it's got this one character in it, and then another character comes in, and there's a goal. The, the main character has to hide something from the other character, but it's not. Uh, it, it's not in a cliché way at all. It's not, oh, no, the vicar's come round, you know. Mm. Uh, it's actually... Um, it's quite funny the reason why she has to hide this thing, and uh, uh, so that's a very simple one. And the other, and then this other one that I started reading, I thought 
as I started reading, I just thought, there's no way I'm going to choose this. It's a, it's like a sort of really convoluted uh, story about three uh, engineers in a, in a sort of Tim Pot dictatorship who get kidnapped. And um, so I just thought, no, no, come on, this isn't a sitcom, you know, mm. this is this is uh, drama. Um, but the scene was just so great and so funny, and it, it ended perfectly as well and I, and and these these three characters so it was just like this scene which was a, would have been the most dramatic set piece scene in a kind of in a movie or something but it was like a sort of oh that was a 3 minute scene these people have been kidnapped and now this has happened and oh and now we're moving on to the next thing and i just thought oh you know but it it was the, the scene was so perfect in its execution um that 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 got through in a way that if I was really kind of, you know, examining it and being very harsh about characterization, for instance, I would say um, need needs work. But the, the the story itself just swept swept me along. Really. Yeah, I mean that chimes in with something I've been thinking about uh, on my YouTube channel, the Situation Room. I did a thing about the first what's wrong with the first 10 pages of your script and sometimes people are trying to, if they're writing a sitcom but it feels like they're trying to write a murder mystery by confusing the viewer as much as possible and sometimes it feels like they're trying to write a panel game where they're just having people swap jokes and there are there are loads of ways of getting it wrong but what's if if there's something there if there's a sort of a compelling story or a voice or a character that it's just possible that that will just crowd out all of the flaws and you kind of won't care. Uh, it, it, it will just mean that you can't put it down and want to keep reading. So, you know, we're, we're trying to give technical advice and we would recommend that you take the technical advice. But we're also mindful of the fact that a really good joke and a really interesting character that's sort of slightly floundering around and doesn't quite deliver plot wise might be enough to get you noticed and get you some attention. And likewise, uh uh, a character that isn't that interesting, but you manage to pull off some kind of technical plot reveal in a very clever way. You just go, wow, and that really is something you haven't seen before. And that, so in a way, these there are lots of ways to go wrong, but the the chaos of the fact is that even those ways of going wrong don't always matter. Um, and look, I just watched um, uh, a Richard Curtis movie, um, uh, After Time. The time travel one with uh, William Nye and um, sorry Bill Nye. Yeah, um, I've and, heard of it, but I haven't yeah. seen it. Yeah, and it's I re it was really enjoyable. But mm. as with quite a lot of Richard Curtis films, you get the sense that he's filmed an awful lot of stuff and then reassembled a, a film. And halfway through the movie, it reaches a complete equilibrium, and you can sort of turn it off. <laughs> which, from a plot point of view, I would say in a movie is is a serious problem. But you're just sort of loving it, so you kind of don't care. Yeah. Um, so the real pros can break the rules and get away with it, but you want to give yourself the best chance by kind of trying to tick as many boxes as you can, I think. Is that fair? Yeah. I think so, yeah. I'm just having a quick look through again and finding some and so, some of the things that people did. There's a really nice... Um, there's, a, there's a guy who's written about... who's obviously got experience who's uh, as like a road manager for, for bands and, um, you know, he's, he's obviously got interesting stories to tell and there is a sort of interesting story in his, uh, in his script, but it isn't... Uh, it, on, on any level, uh, uh, like a, a a drama, it's 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 just, it's a it's a funny anecdote. Right. Um, 
and um, you know there, there there will be a place for that, and then the guy who's written it will find a way of doing it. But as it stands, it isn't really um, a sitcom. Uh, situa- it's not a situation uh, at all. Really. Yeah, you need to see, yeah show not tell, isn't it? Don't yeah. don't tell us an anecdote. Can you just sh- turn it into a story and then we can enjoy it? Yeah, there's a couple of others. There was a couple of near misses. I mean, there were a lot lot of near misses actually. There's once there was uh, one scene. Uh, there was just one about a, a woman, a sort of expat woman who who uh, is, is trying to get a boyfriend, and and she goes and she's she goes to this sort of very seedy. She lives in Greece, and she, she goes to this sort of seedy shop, and the the the, the, the men there are all horrible. But it's just, it had a sort of sort of really funny punchline, um, mm. which I, I almost chose it just because I enjoyed the punchline, but <laughs> everything else around it just did not work. There was another okay. one. It's a, it a really funny idea, nice idea. There's a woman uh, wrote a, one about um, this guy who basically the, 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 the setup is uh, they drop their kid off at university and... Uh, they drive home and the partner said the husband says all right i'm i'm leaving now and uh there's just there's uh, and, it, and it's sort of like you know I, I, he's he's being really reasonable he's mm. saying you know i'm just leaving oh, you know we're, we're finished now and he's sort of walking out with his suitcases and he's he says to her you know can you give me a hand getting these suitcases <laughs> down please it's just a yeah. lovely moment yeah almost didn't almost there didn't quite work um, well i think in a way that's this is another lesson that we we need to learn and we're mindful of i mean you you ran a sketch-based competition based on our podcast and it had 50 people Mm. um 50 scripts come in and it was fairly competitive yeah and you know whenever the bbc writers room open a window and you know they'll get four thousand scripts they'll get five thousand scripts um I don't know what David Tyler at Positive got, and we are hopefully going to speak to him soon about all the scripts that he got sent. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and, sorry, a helicopter is going overhead, which, where I live, is not unusual at all. This is where they make helicopters <laughs> oh, yeah, and fly Westland, them. Westland, isn't it? For, yeah, yeah. So what used to be called Westland, and also mm. I live near the, the Naval Air Base, because you know how the Navy have an Air Force. Of course they do. Um, <laughs> I didn't even know we still had a Navy, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well there's the cutbacks for you um what i mean to say is it is really competitive out there and if if you are sending a script to a competition and there are four thousand entries coming in the top 100 doesn't actually help you that much you know it really is so competitive and it just takes a, such a huge amount of work to, to produce a script that you're actually pleased with um and so you know that's why we keep giving all this advice mm. is because uh yeah it it is competitive and although there is a real hunger for scripts and new voices you can really you know hamstring your own chances by making sort of basic mistakes uh, that we that we sort of harp on about all the time here yeah um no, we no should probably doubt. move on in a second but yeah um, go on uh, just, just the last thing that I'll tell you about this is, uh, yeah, and, and the amount of work that has gone into all of these is, mm. you know, uh, uh, the, the, there is a high level of, uh, you, you know, you, 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 a lot of work has gone into this. And I don't, you know, every, every entry shows that, you know. Mm. Um, but the other thing, or it's one other thing I would like to say, um, the, the, the word cougar, I don't want to see that word anymore. Uh too, so many scripts had this sort of sex-mad uh, older woman character. Mm. And um, 
you know, it's 2021. Can we please find uh, other other ways of portraying women over a certain age other than uh, as, as uh, sex mad? Um, mm. It's just become, it, it had to become a cliche probably a few years ago and it's sort of, it's starting to grate a little bit, I think. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. Uh, there was a show in America called Hot in Cleveland, I think, mm. which was Courtney Cox. After doing Friends, I think that's right. And so this is a trope that's been around. I mean, that was 2010. So that's 11 years ago. Uh, It ran for six seasons in 128 episodes, according to the internet. Wasn't there Um, actually a show called The Cougar, in fact? Oh, I'm sure there is. Um, But I just think it's, you know, we want to be mindful of the fact that if if we think a character might feel a bit familiar, then it probably is. And actually, it doesn't take much just to kind of click it along the dial and make it much more interesting. Um, so there are versions of, of more familiar tropes which could be done in a very 2021 kind of a way. So um, it's just worth thinking how you can refresh those characters because in a way a, a, an original thing is a familiar thing with one little change to it. So now we've got, we live in a world where that has been established as a, as a bit of a trope. What is the next version of that rather than the bog standard version of that? So we should probably move on to the next thing, which is uh, what I what I did in my holidays. So last week, at the time of recording, two weeks ago when you were hearing this, I did a webinar, which was a word I didn't ever think I'd hear myself say <laughs> a few years ago. Um, and it's no longer a, a funny word. And it was about uh, characters. And I did last time, I think, or the time before, I talked about some blog posts I did about Jessica cooking and why she cooks and that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. I gathered up a load of stuff onto um into a webinar and uh, amazingly 80 people showed up and it was 80 minutes long and they all stayed to the end um so uh it was it was quite gratifying you can get hold of that uh, if you go to my blog sitcomgeek.blogspot.com or if you go to my youtube channel the situation room um there are some links there to to it uh, and if you sort of sign up to the situation room then you can see that webinar for free um, but just to give you a, a flavor of that, um, the, the thing that I was excited about when I was doing the session where I sort of do, it's a little bit of a sitcom characters 101 is not just the idea that, you know, what does your character want? What do they really want? And we've talked about that a lot before. In fact, I think that might even be also in our very first episode, mm-hmm. but the, the way they, the, the way they see what they want is also the solution to everybody else's problems, according to them. So they are projecting their own subconscious things onto other people. So going back to our friend Jessica, who cooks as a way of, for example, she loves cooking and she thinks she loves cooking. But actually she uses food as a way of drawing people to herself, say. And actually she's fundamentally quite lonely. Let, let's take that as an example yeah not only does she think that she's not only does she not realize she's lonely she subconsciously does she thinks everyone else thinks that they're lonely too and that therefore they would like what she would like and the example of that um i stumbled across is i think i might have mentioned it before i can't remember but it, i think it's quite key she knows that someone else is going to be alone one evening 
So she cooks a meal and takes it round to them and off and basically says, hey, I've come round for dinner. I've brought food. Isn't that brilliant? Because she assumes that they're going to feel lonely. And it hasn't occurred to her that actually they they don't and they would like to be left alone. And they've actually just lined up an evening of watching box sets or finally they're going to finish that puzzle. And now they're in this awkward situation where somebody has been incredibly kind to them and has tried to solve their problems in a way that they would like it to be solved, not in the way that the actual person with the problem would like it to be solved. So I think it's just, a, it's, and it's a little bit like um, love languages, which I also yeah. talk about. Have you come across that? Well, funnily enough, uh, exactly that happened last night in the show I was watching. Um, oh, yeah. The, yeah, call, call My Agent, which we're, we're almost finished watching now. Uh, a lovely French show on Netflix. And there, there was that, that ex- just as you were saying that, I just thought, oh, this is exactly what I what happened. I don't want to uh, try, try not to do spoilers or anything, but there is a character, there's a sort of relationship, on-off relationship um, that that's currently off, and um, that the the character who seems to want it to uh, get back together the most. Um, has kind of just this point decided that actually he probably doesn't. He's realised he doesn't want to. Just at the point when the ex rings him and says, "Come round, come round now," and he uh, he he's already decided, but he he thinks it's an emergency or something. So he does come and he goes to see her, and she just says, "Oh, you know, I I just told you to come round now because we've this is fun thing happening," and he's just like. You know, I've just interrupted something really important to come round to you now, and, it, and it's a sort of quite a crucial moment because she had just kind of assumed that he would want to come round because yeah. previously he had seemed to be the one who might want to get it back together, and 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 um, and that that feels like to me the, almost the exact description of what yeah. you what you were just saying. Really. Yeah. So, so for an uh, example, I can't yeah. remember what the types of love language are, but one of them is, for example, some people like to be given presents and they like to so they like to give presents and therefore they like to be given presents mm. and and actually if you don't particularly like presents but you would just rather they spend time with you yeah. then if they just continually give you presents they're actually being really kind but it's actually really annoying because you then have to give them presents back even though presents don't actually matter to you um, yeah. and I can think of one or two relationships in my life where I'm buying presents for people who gave me one and I didn't want that one. And now I've got to get them one because clearly presents matter to them. So, you know, I I want to be kind and gracious, but the reason I kind of am attracted to this is because it's just a really nice organic form of conflict in your sitcom, which I think is going to be rather than just characters conflicting and annoying each other and getting in each other's way on purpose and being hostile to each other and shouting and arguing. This is a nice way of just characters just completely missing each other, just not connecting, but actually trying to help. And I think that's, you know, I think that will do quite a lot of plot heavy lifting for you if you if you pursue that one. Anyway, talk about more. Talk about that more in the webinar. Yeah. Uh, so look in the show notes or go to the Situation Room on YouTube um, think- and you can find out about that. I was just going to say that sort of feels a little bit like a subset of uh, how do I see myself versus how do other people uh, see me it's 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 sort of similar to that but it it kind of takes it into another place doesn't it I think so it's sort of that it is a bit of a lack of self-awareness um whilst thinking you're self-aware oh oh, I tell you what they would I tell you what would be really nice to do for this person would be x and you go no no that 
you would like that, but they wouldn't like that. Yeah. Um, you know, I have relatives who also give me stuff. They refuse to give me stuff that I want because they don't want to buy it for me. Mm. Um, so I have a lot of books and I like books, but they don't like giving me books. So they don't give me books, even though that's pretty much all I want. Um, so it's like, hang on. So this present isn't about me. It's about you. Mm, okay. Happy Christmas. That's fine. I but bet you, you get don't the say idea. that, do you? No. <laughs> oh, thanks for the present, Grandma. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, it's, it's not quite that. But um, yeah, so I think just thinking about this. So it's, it's where characters turn into relationships, I think, which is, which is mm. the key, really. So you do need the characters. But then no man is an island. No character is, is an island. They, they all have these relationships. And so, yeah. Anyway, in the webinar, I go through this in, in fairly big detail, lasting 80 minutes. So um, people seem to like it. Yeah. I, I'm, you said just now that the, you had uh, 80 people coming and, I, and, and uh, you, you sounded shocked by that. But I, actually, I'm not surprised at all because, I mean, that is the great thing about uh, webinars and like you I just thought uh, you know I will I will never ever say that word in public um, <laughs> yeah you know, without without for, being for, slightly sick for fear of total humiliation and yeah. actually you know I've I've uh, been to enough webinars been you know as in sitting at my desk and you know uh, uh, and taken an hour of, out of my time and uh, for something that I'm really interested in and want to know about and listen to somebody who knows what they're talking about mm. just talking about that one thing for an hour and yeah. then tw 20 people ask questions at the end five or six of which are you know, really kind of good pertinent questions that I couldn't have thought of you know mm. so it's um I yeah. guess I was surprised because you know and we'll talk about learning new skills uh, in a second because I'm going to ask you about your new website and your and overcoming technophobia but for me I'm learning lots of new skills like how to run a webinar so I did it on zoom and my license is that I can go up to 100 people so so I had more than 100 signed up because I knew that not everybody turns up yeah. how many more signed up that it's like it's going to be tricky going forward I don't quite know how I'm going to solve this problem but I'm going to but I'd read somewhere that people who people who sign up for a webinar compared to the number of people who show up, it's about a 50% show up rate. Right. Um, or between 40 and 60. Well, I, I probably was closer to 80% or maybe 70%. So in a way that was encouraging, but it also makes me think, oh, what am I, what am I going to do next time? Because I am going to do another one again, uh, hopefully before Easter. So do, um, do watch this space. Uh, do follow me on Twitter. Uh, right. I'm Sitcom Geek. And you'll you'll find out about it. But t tell me about your your new website and learning new skills, Dave. Yeah, well, um, some some long long suffering listeners to this show, and certainly uh, long suffering James, will will know that there have been over the years a, a catalogue of uh, te technological uh, glitches and uh, issues, um, and usually. Uh, they, they've been my fault and I kind of and, and it's, it's interesting when we talk about character as well because you know I have always been uh, comfortable or not comfortable but accepting that I am the character who is crap at technology in in the sitcom of my life and <laughs> uh, you know and and I sort of I, I make half-hearted attempts but you know like like the sitcom character uh, in 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 your show you 
you know, I do something and it goes wrong and it goes wrong again and it goes wrong again and I just, I don't learn from it and I just come back next week and do something else wrong. Um, and really, it was just kind of before Christmas and I thought, I've got a new book to bring out. I've got uh, a, the novel coming out and, I, and you know, I do so much stuff online now and there's no, there's no selling outside of online anyway for the for foreseeable future you know and i can't go out and do book tours and stuff mm. um i just thought i have got to once and for all get get stuff uh you know do get get on top of stuff and i think the interesting thing is that even like say compared to a year ago i mean i think there is no uh, question uh that can be asked about technology that cannot be answered by a youtube video um and everything, everything that I wanted to know, uh, like how to how to uh, publish my book on uh, Amazon as an ebook, and how to set up my website and link a mailing list to it, um, everything is it's there, you know. And mm. it just involves you having to say, okay, uh, I am going to set aside this afternoon, and I'm not going to do anything else until I sort this problem out. And so, as a result, I have managed to get my book out in January. Um, I haven't done much to follow it up, but I need to do that. But that's that's okay. But I've also I set up the website for the novel. So um, and that's called um, that that's uh, called somewhere. Uh, David J Cohen uh, writes fiction is the is the title of the uh, website. I think. Uh, if you, and um, it says something like I write a novel. Um, <laughs> and I've set up a Twitter uh, page with it as well, and I, that that was a real kind of. I just thought, oh god, you know, I've got I've got I don't know thirty five followers on Twitter for David J Cohen, and I just thought, oh god, am I going to have to sit on Twitter and build a profile, you know? And I, I spend enough time on bloody Twitter arguing with people about nothing at all, you know. Um, but it does feel to me that. Um, you know you can do you can get so much further now with technology and you know there, there, there are so many ways that you can kind of develop your own career and and actually you know get getting over yourself and setting up a website setting up a podcast um setting up a mailing list these are all things that you kind of need to be doing or thinking about doing i think we'll talk I about think so. that probably in more detail uh, yeah. in our next episode yeah, no, we should. So let's leave that one there then. We'll, we'll, we'll tee yeah. that one up um, for next time. And uh, let's finish off this episode by talking about how funny Tuesdays are. So yeah. Dave has been live tweeting on Tuesdays uh, exact, at the exact time when I'm tending, I'm reading Prince Caspian to my kids um, or whatever it is. And so um, I've not joined in on that yet. But why don't you tell us about what, what is Tuesdays are funny and, and how's it been going? Yeah, I've been running it for about four or five weeks now, which is that I just uh, I pick a sitcom on iPlayer. So unfortunately, this is only open uh, for people in the UK, but uh, often or people you... across the world with a um, VPN because you can pretend to be in the UK. That's true. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
So, but, but particular apologies if you haven't got VPN or if you're based in Ireland. I know we have got quite a lot of listeners in Ireland that who don't have access uh, to iPlayer. Um, but often I try and choose episodes that I have seen that are available through other means uh, on the on the web. Uh, but so yeah, <clears throat> so so far we've watched um, four shows um oh, i've got that um and we've had some kind of quite interesting people turn up um we did um uh detectorists and had adam tandy the producer was there with us and he, he had lots of really interesting kind of uh technical stuff to say and just uh, interesting stuff about the kind of the, the themes running through it um we put uh we did extras an episode the the episode of extras where david bowie turns up um and uh Ricky Ricky Gervais turned up for that, but he didn't have anything to say. He just sort of lurked in the background uh, <laughs> and watching like, people watching his show. Yeah, yeah. So, liked any tweet that was nice about him, uh, and then fair uh, enough. And that, that 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 was all we got. But you know, hey, we got him there. Um, and um, we had um, we did ghosts uh, last week, and. Uh, they are filming a new series of ghosts. Uh, so unfortunately, they didn't. They weren't there for the actual run through, but they sort of came in afterwards and and said hello and everything. Uh, mm. and I, you know, came in to Twitter like like they they sort of made a special uh, effort to. Come yeah. in. But no, it's nice. It was really nice, and uh, it's just just it's interesting. I mean, and and it's, it's for me as well. I've been watching stuff uh, that I haven't necessarily seen before. Or something I've not seen for a long time, and um, watching uh, and and people join in and and make their own comments as well. It's it's a it's a lot of fun, and uh, you know you get a, a lot of insight into stuff and things that you'd forgotten. And the thing, one of the main things that I hadn't thought about for a long time, um, watching extras, was um, that actually Ricky Gervais's character in Extras is is kind of uh, much more interesting, I think, than uh, I had previously. I'd, I'd kind of previously had an idea of it. And I think, I think the context of watching Extras as Ricky Gervais's next thing after The Office was a kind of, uh, you know, it was never going to be. <clears throat> You, it was never going to be like a standalone show to watch. It was always going to be, what is the guy from The Office doing now? Oh, he's just invited loads of really, really famous people. He's, you know, it's like, this is very self-indulgent. And there are elements of that, I think. And the story doesn't really hold together. And there's, um, but, but there are actually... The, the the character is great, you know. The character's really funny. He's a really and it's very self-deprecating. You know, you don't think of when you say Ricky Gervais, you don't normally think this guy is self-deprecating. But it is. It's a very and and you know, and the, and the, some of the scenes are just brilliant in it. It's just a, a f- funny, really funny comedy. I think. Have you? Yeah. Are you a Ricky Gervais fan at all? Um, I think I've. I think I have a standard view on Ricky Gervais, which is The Office is is the peak, and it's been slightly downhill from there. The I did. See, I have seen all of Extras, I think, and I quite liked it. Um, and I have to say, I'm not a fan of the latest series on Netflix called Afterlife, uh, which I have some problems with. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, slightly theological problems as well, but yeah. I reviewed it for um, a Christian magazine, in fact, and I watched all six episodes of series one. 
and it was literally I was being paid to watch it. So uh, I wouldn't, but I wouldn't have watched it. I wouldn't have watched yeah. it to the end if I hadn't uh, hadn't had to write something about it. Yeah, but I, I um, think just to say, because this is relevant to what we're just talking about as well. I think the thing about Ricky Gervais is uh, that he is um, he he is one of the, he is a very classic example of an idea of what you have to do now and I mean obviously he's in a different situation he made the office that made him absolutely made his career and he he really does not have to worry anymore about mm. where his next penny's coming from but he also he doesn't really he genuinely doesn't care about what critics say I think and I think one what he's done is he, he is has like a massive fan base and you know he talks to them he, he he through twitter and he does he does sort of live he you know he just goes live and says he's sitting in his room with all his uh, awards behind him and just gets people to ask him questions and he just talks you know uh, gibberish and fun and you know he's got his fans there and he that's that's the the kind of thing you know it's like he that's as much a part of his career and it just means that you know if he says oh well I want to make another tv show it doesn't really matter what it's going to be about net he netflix know that you know they can they will get enough people subscribing mm. to watch his show to make yeah. it worth their while to pay him to make it. Who, yeah, though, and lots of know. people said how brilliant they thought Afterlife was. And yeah, a lot of on one level, it. I thought I don't quite see, I don't see what you're seeing, but equally, <laughs> it doesn't. I it, I can sleep at night knowing that some people really like it. So, uh, I think extras, yeah, has some really good, and actually, net, uh, the Afterlife had some scenes in it that made me absolutely howl with laughter. There were some really really mm -hmm. funny scenes in it. I just thought it felt it felt a bit fake in places and was less than the sum total of the parts. Extras felt like, I think my problem with extras was that it felt like he was slightly biting the hand that fed him in terms of, he was saying, Oh, I'm, I'm now I've been, I've written this goofy mainstream sitcom, which has gone even goofier. And now I slightly hate it and hate everything. And mm. I thought, uh, I don't know. It just felt, I, I think because I actually work in mainstream situation comedy, the way it was being portrayed, I thought that isn't really how it is. And... I know that that for me was a big, the biggest flaw with extras is this live, uh, this audience sitcom, which is really not like any of the sitcoms that were around. If you think of what was around at the time of uh, extras, like um, the IT crowd, yeah, uh, Miranda not going out, and, and you know that it was, it was. I mean, a lot of people have pointed out that Mrs. Brown's Boys is like. Um, when the whistle blows. When the whistle blows, and you know, yeah, it was. It's got these sort of silly characters. It's slapstick. It's pantomime. It's a. You know, but it uh, knows it. It's. It's got. It, you know. It's. They pull back and show that it's a show, and they know that it's a show. Yeah. So I. I don't know. I maybe it was just. If I felt, it offended me as a sitcom yeah. writer that you can sort of slightly throw this this art form under the bus in that way. Yeah, and uh, he, he of all people doesn't quite have the right to do that because he made his name through a a non-audience brilliant nicely it's like well hang on why have you gone across the room to give studio yeah. sitcom a bit of a kicking i didn't quite didn't quite get that especially also as uh you know he's often talked about uh shows like ever decreasing circles as you know kind of being very a bit big inspiration to him and yeah. uh you know, and it, and it, it does it, that 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 aspect of it just felt a little bit kind of um, 
I don't know. I didn't really. I I, that, I don't see what that's about. But I think that's the thing with with Ricky Gervais is that you know, like you you mentioned in Afterlife, there there are just scenes and it, it's it's moments really. And mm. um, there's a scene, not just the David Bowie scene in that uh, episode we watched, but there's a scene where uh, he uh, comes across a homeless man, and this is it's just a really funny scene where uh, he sort of. He, he thinks he should give him more because the guy recognises him from the telly, uh, uh, but he can't give him more until he gets the guy to tell his homeless mates that, oh, that was the guy, that's the guy from the telly who, you know, he's given me more than anyone else has given me. Right. You know? And it's just, it, it's a, he gets so tangled up in his own sort of self-obsession. I just thought that was really, really nice. But just, just to move on and quickly mention so the, the other shows, I just thought... Um, I, I, I've never really watched Detectorist that much, but I, I, I enjoyed what I saw, and I definitely want to watch the rest of it. It's not, it's not a hilarious show at all. It's not, you know, there, are, uh, but it's just it, it catches uh, a, a, as a piece of almost a kind of sort of oral and visual uh, landscape of England. You know, it's just a, it's a sort of love letter to the English countryside on that level alone it's sort of it's very watchable um but then the characters within it they have they that that sort of sad english you know loser character who is a sort of fairly classic sitcom character and it's sort of populated with them who's somehow married um, to rachel sterling it's like mm, okay <laughs> Um, but yeah, but it's 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 it, it still it, it, you know there, there's it, 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 and it has that kind of uh, pathos as well. And, yeah, and all yeah, those definitely. Things. Whereas you know, ghosts, I think has mm. uh, has all of that as well. Ghosts has a really you know kind of deep pathos. Uh, the character that um, uh, Lawrence uh, Rickard, Larry Rickard, plays of uh, the, the the caveman. Yeah. It's just it's a lovely, lovely observation, and and, and it, it has quite sort of there's quite moving scenes as well, and um and and, and Jim Howick's character as well. Yeah, he's, he's uh, so lovely. Uh, Jim Howick is just funny. I just, he's just he, he's just funny in every you know he's yeah. just always funny. I mean, for, for, for me, doing horrible histories, it was always like if I knew that Jim was doing the song, I just thought, oh, you know. Um, this song yeah. is immediately twenty percent better than the best thing that I write, you know, because Jim's doing it, yeah. um, and um, he's he's just wonderful, and it is a sort of character that you might see in a sitcom and think that's a bit of an irritating sitcom character, but he just puts so much kind of soul into it, mm. and it's such a it, it, it's such a the, the, the story was about him and his how he died and, and oh yeah it's a really sweet episode a isn't really it really lovely episode and um you know but there's this um and there's this like there's like 10 main characters in ghosts so it's a, a lot of people a lot of uh story yeah. to get through They're, you know the stories are a little bit kind of you know and it's just a sort of fun ghost story thing really it's it's it, it definitely um you know horrible they're, they're fun, fantastic sketches that they used yeah. to do in horrible histories and there is a sort of it's a little bit sketch like i would say <clears throat> more for me that. it's more yeah. the um so i would say it is sketch like says in the individual scenes are all funny but mm. my preference would be he here i am this is why Richard Curtis is not a successful movie writer. This is why uh, Ghost isn't on television. But what I would like to see more of is escalation. So usually 
you know, the, the couple who own the house are trying to do something and the ghosts get in the way mm-hmm. and then they get in the way in another way and then they get away in another way and then it sort of resolves itself. But it never quite makes, they never quite make it worse and worse and worse. Um, so that that would be, but that's kind of like, you know, that's criticism on a fairly high level. It's yeah. got, and again, going back to what we were saying before, if it's got bags of character and charm and the casting and it, if if it's got all the right ingredients in it, then you know you don't you kind of don't care about that other yeah. thing. I just think I've watched um you know so I watched Detectress and loved that sort of way it tapped into the uh, our kind of our, mm. our shared past. Uh, I loved uh, Ricky Gervais's you know set piece uh, scenes that he does. Uh, I, I love that um, uh, Outnumbered was another one that's a uh, you know. They're such skilled, gifted writers that the sort of marriage of character and story is great. But I thought Ghost just had everything, really. It had all of that. And yes, it's not it's not the greatest story, but it's, you know, they're ghosts. They come back every week. They can't, it's kind of hard to escalate something because what's the worst thing that can happen to a ghost? Mm. <laughs> you know, they can't, they've already died. Um, so, you know, it's kind of hard to sort of escalate that aspect of it but uh i do sort of feel ghosts of the of the recent shows i feel it's kind of got more it, it's it's my favorite sitcom really i think of the last kind of 10 15 years yes whilst we're on the subject of stuff that's been on tv um series two of staged really got weird uh <laughs> i have to say i really struggled to to kind of go with it uh, but what I did, what I did quite enjoy about it was the fact that it put its finger on the idea that everyone loves the idea that the actors sort of make it up, and that the writer is just sort of putting the ideas into the scenes, and then the actors are basically improvising on top of it. And I thought that it was quite an uncomfortable bit around there, which I thought was good, and I've rarely seen addressed in sitcom, so I was kind of happy on that front at least. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, I think we should probably wrap this up. Um, next time, as I said, we're going to talk yeah. about learning new skills, more career-based stuff. Um, we're geeking around all over the place, aren't we, Dave? Yeah, I'm still here. Right. Yes, indeed. Sorry. And if you want to go back to um, find out about more about The Office, then we spoke to Anil Gupta, who was the producer of the first series of The Office. How It All Began is episode 144, um, and it is a very entertaining listen, and Anil is a very good storyteller. So um, do do go back and have a listen to that. And uh, also uh, making a scene of it, episodes 151 and 152. Um, So all the archive uh, is there uh, for you to go and listen to. Great. Well, uh, we'll be back next time. Thanks, Dave. Thank you. And we'll speak to you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks a lot. Bye.